everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Guys, the uh, the Mets postseason chances are looking bleak. Uh, seven back with 38 games to play. Uh, Atlanta is 16-3 and three in August. It feels like 1990s, 2000s all over again. Uh, this week, we're joined by our buddy Jerry Emmer, a.k.a. Parlay J. And talk a little Metropolitans and, of course, uh, a little bit of Jay's specialty, the, uh, the, of course, legal sports gaming world. Jerry, what's happening, man? What's going on, Tim? Nothing much, man. Thanks so much for coming back on. Yeah, no problem, man. I love being on. Yeah. So I guess first off, uh, what are your thoughts on the Mets? It's been a, a bit of a crazy week. Bunch of losses out West. Steve Cohen is uh, clearly not happy. Uh, what do you say? These guys still have some life in them or what? Uh, you, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm positive just like you are. And I, I hope <laughs> for the best and I'm fighting with all the negative fans and it just sucks that the negative fans weren't right. And this, you deal with, you know, you think about all these fans that are toxic and just terrible and nasty all the time, even when we're doing good and the Mets are proving them right. And it's just, it's so disheartening because you can't even argue with people anymore. It's like now the results just aren't there. This, this skit has been embarrassing. Uh, you know, we got to win today, but my God, this stretch has been brutal, unwatchable. They're just, they're losing people and it's just, what do you, like, what do you do? Do you see the talent? You see the names, these guys that can hit 300, these guys that can hit 30 to 40 home runs. And the production is not even close to where it should be. There's not one person on this team coming anywhere close to a career year. It's it, usually you have one or two guys that are just really standing out and, and really going above, even in a bad season, you, you know, you have these young guys that are like, wow, this guy's lighting it up. You know, we, we suck, but this guy's lighting it up. Everybody is struggling, you know, even, uh, you know, Pete Alonso is, is starting to tear it up a little bit. He's hitting the ball hard. Uh, but that's one guy, you know, Javi came back today, had a big, uh, big first at bat. But then, you know, you think about his strikeouts and it's like, what, what is the answer to this team? Is it Jeff McNeil picking it up and starting to be that guy that he was before? Does that light a spark on the team? Lindor coming back. It's just, there's no answer right now to what, what we can do to, to get back on track. Yeah, I mean, that there's there's been bright spots. I mean, Strowman's had a terrific year. Um, Pete's, you know, he was uh, – everyone had a very slow start to the year on the Mets. But, uh, you know, since he came back from the I.L., he's been Pete Alonzo again, and that's great to see. Uh, you know, Aaron Loops had a terrific year. Brandon Nimmo, since he's come back from injury, he's been, um, you know, just an on-base machine, as he's always been. Tyler McGill, I mean, over, over his first handful, I think, 11 starts – what a surprise. Point. What a oh, surprise two, he's been. Oh, terrific, man. And he's really his his poise on the mound, his uh his approach. He's just absolutely he's pumping the zone. He's he's just like 73%. Um he's getting like a 73% swing rate inside the strike zone. And you know, he's just challenging guys. You love to see it. You know what he, he reminds me of? It, it it's it's these guys that come out of nowhere. And like I, I I've been wondering about him like all right, you know, he's, he's had a nice little start to his career. When is he going to start dropping off? And he keeps impressing. And it kind of reminds me of when DeGrom came up. And he wasn't sure. supposed to be this big prospect like Syndergaard or Harvey. These guys were all hyped up, hyped to, you know, to see. And they just kept performing and performing. And this is what he's doing right now. And it's just, it's not letting up. He's, he's, he's pumping it. He's pumping the gas. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to see. And if, if this season doesn't amount to anything, if there's again, there's going to be a lot of takeaways 
there's going to be a lot of decisions to make, which we'll get into in a minute. But, you know, at the current moment, yeah, the season's, you know, falling apart. Um, I, I think you could take it back to July 29th, uh, rubber game versus Atlanta. The Mets lost that day. And since then, I mean, they won on Sunday, but uh, six and 18 since then, since that game in July, <laughs> this is heading into Sunday. They were 32 for 180 with runners in scoring position over that span, 524 OPS. Impossible. It's almost impossible. Exactly. You just, you don't know how it's happening. And yeah, you know, it's um, with 38 games left. They, I mean, even if they went 28 and 10, they would still finish up with just under 90 wins. Atlanta's at 68 wins now. It's not impossible. We're Mets fans. We know this. We've seen crazier shit happen. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty. Like, I guess, you know, my uh, my optimism will keep me in that headspace until it's, it's, it's over. And, you know, it's not over until it's over. But in the same respect, I can also look at it realistically. And uh, things are about as close to, to – to, being to that point as you can get. I mean, if if the 2021 season was a game, Ralph Kiner would be waiting outside the locker room ready to pick a guest for Kiner's corner. That's how close it's getting to the end now. But shit, I mean, you know, this team wins, you know, 10 out of 12 and and Atlanta goes on a little, uh, you know, a little. They got to fall back to earth a little bit. Oh, you have to think, but boy, they made all the right moves at the trade deadline. They did everything you would hope the Mets were, were going to go out and do. And, you know, of course, staying healthy has a lot to do with it, but that's a, um, it's going to be a tall order, man. A lot of things are going to have to break the, the Mets way. Hey, this is like the reverse of 2015. July 29th <laughs> was like the, the, the turning point in that season, right around that, that time. And we started doing good. And now, you know, we were in first the whole season and now we're doing, you know, the opposite. Yeah. No, it's it's wild. And, and it's not like they don't have – I mean, they, they've had opportunities all year. Up until three weeks ago, they were three and a half games up in the division. But um, they're seven back. They got another three games against a very good team in San, Francis uh, in San Francisco at home starting Tuesday. After that, you got 15 games against the Nationals and the Marlins. Um, you know, if you can get through that with, like, a ridiculously strong record, like winning 13 out of 15 or 14 out of 15, you know, that, that might be their only shot at this point. You never know. Cause it's baseball, but oof, it is, uh, their, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Their goal should be, you know, not look at the standings, but in the next, you know, what, what's today's date? The, the, 20 20 the next, second. the next 20 days or so they should try to catch four games. If they can catch four games, and be right around, you know, three games out in that area going into the last, you know, two weeks of the season. Then you start getting a little excited where every game is like a playoff game, you know? Like, they have yeah. to just catch some ground. They can't keep falling and falling. Like, it's easier said than done, but I think that needs to be the goal rather than looking at us trying to win 90 games. Just catch some ground. Don't don't fall. Don't fall back anymore, you know? Yeah, and I think that that's kind of been there their outlook for the season. It's one game at a time. It's, you know, don't look too far ahead, but, you know, stay focused. All, all the, you know, all the good cliches you like to hear from a successful team, but then at some point they just stopped making adjustments. And, and you know, you talked about it earlier. You have guys who just look lost. They don't look, they look like shells of their former selves. Um, you know, guys just looking at fastballs going right down the heart of the plate, swinging and missing at fastballs. It's almost like they're, um, 
there, I think Todd Zeal was talking about it on the broadcast over the weekend. And of course he would know better than I, he's a former major leaguer, but it, it almost feels like, um, they're expecting something else. Then they see fastball, then they have to gear up for fastball and either they miss it completely or it just blows right by them. And, and, you know, that's just a, I think a testament to where, I guess, where these guys were in the box. And on Sunday, they looked different. On Sunday, things picked up. You saw a spark. But, you know, whether that gets carried over into the next game, that's been the biggest challenge. It's almost as if the, the camaraderie is like, hurt them a little bit because you have one guy struggling and the next guy's like, I'm going to pick you up. And then he's reeling at the plate and he's trying to do a little more. And you know, they're, they're, they're trying, they're all reeling at the plate. And that's, you could see it in every at bat they're, they're, you know, you want them to try hard, but at some point when you're playing baseball, when you try a little too hard, you get in your own head and, and everybody's in their own head. And it's, it's, a, it's just a complete comedy of errors right now. It's, it's everybody's on the same page of, I'm failing. <laughs> I've never seen this, at, you know, with all this talent in all my years as a Met fan. It's just, there's always somebody that stands out. You know, you got Nimmo. Yeah. Get, he's getting on base. There's not that spark, that big eighth inning, three run homer, come, you know, come back. It's just, it's not there this year. You know, and it's, it's funny because for the longest time this season, it was there and, you know, they'd fall behind early and they'd come back and, and maybe they'd win. And that, you know, you can't live like that. You can't, it's not, it's just not, um, it's not going to last in the long run. So, you know, this team, um, they had the opportunity, everybody got healthy. And for, you know, for that brief shining moment in July for like, you know, pretty much the whole month up until the 29th, they were the best offensive team in baseball, leading the league in batting average, leading the league in weighted runs created plus like second in the league in, in home runs, like everything was clicking. And then everything just fell off of a cliff. You know, now they have to um, pick up the pieces. But, you know, if they can't, they're going to come to the end of the season. There's going to be a lot of decisions to make. I mean, you already know about the the Strowmans and the Syndergaards. And, you know, Conforto's really the guy who I put it up on Twitter this morning. Um, he's having a terrific month. He didn't get in the game today. Uh, was a little odd, by the way, that Rojas would sit everybody. But it, it worked out. So, hey, <laughs> no harm, no foul. But... You know, Michael Conforto, he's been the Mets' hottest hitter in August. He's hitting 292, 395, 477, um, 142 weighted runs created plus is higher than Pete Alonso's this month. He's, Just hitting, having a, he's hitting his way out of Queens right now. That's what he's doing. Well, that's, that's, that's where the dilemma lies. Because if he goes out onto the old market after the season that he's had, um, he's not going to get what his career numbers probably should say he, he will should say he should get if the Mets are in, in all likelihood going to offer him the, the qualifying offer that that's that's my opinion um, that way if he does leave they get their compensation pick and everyone's happy if I'm Conforto I think I'm accepting that qualifying offer playing that out betting on myself hoping to parlay that into a big big deal that you know something like Marcus Stroman's doing this year um, if he gets a, a nice, you know, if he gets a phone call from Seattle, his hometown team saying, Oh, come on in. We want you to play right field, uh, right field for us. And, uh, kind of, you know, usher in the next generation for the next three or four years. That's a, an option that he might have to take. But if, if you were in charge, how would you approach this? Yes. It's so outfield depth isn't the, uh, you know, 
there's, there's nobody great in the outfield, especially defensively. You might have to shake things up here. You might have to get, you know, I, I didn't look at the free agent market this year, but they it's need a little thin in the outfield, a little thin, little thin in this free agent market, huh? Yeah. It's just, you know, we've, we haven't had that five tool guy, you know, roaming center field and uh, since Beltron, you know, yeah, close to it. Unless you want to include Angel Pagan, who I was a very big fan of. I loved Angel Pagan. He actually hit, he hit a foul ball off my hand and uh, I had a hot dog in the other hand and I dropped it and went back on the field and the whole stadium booed me. So I'll never forget that. (laughs) I saw Gary Sheffield like almost kill somebody with a foul ball way back in the day. Oh, if if you remember, he used to rip foul balls into the stands because his bat was just so fast dude this guy like pulled his kid out of the way within milliseconds and it, it caught him right in the chest and he like he was phased for a second but boy that kid would have ate it bro that would have been terrible you know, it's funny. Self- selfishly you know i i wanted i was so against the uh the screen so I, you know i used to get bring my glove and sit there like come on give me a line drive this way and then you, you see the people and the kids sitting there it's like ah that, that was actually you know the best thing for uh, the fans <laughs> oh, the the the, fan, the screens, the screens, the extend the extending of the nets. Yeah, yeah, it's not so bad. I mean, the first, I was there the first year they put them in, and that was a little weird to get used to. And now you don't even notice it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely best for safety. I mean, those things are pretty much you know fist sized bullets coming at you. Yeah. But so, like you know, the outfield is uh, it's been a lot of plug and play. You got. Dom Smith, who's not an outfielder playing out there. J.D. Davis, who's not an outfielder playing out there. At what point do you solidify and you can say, this guy's playing outfield and he ain't moving. He, he, you know, he can play center field, left field. He's, he, he's going to be there and we can rely on him defensively. Our infield is just ridiculous. When, when Lindor comes back, that you know, defense is going to be if, – if Jeff McNeil can play, the first year he played uh, third base, he, you know, spot starts, he yeah. looked awesome. Awesome there. And I forget, I forget what his, uh, his DRS was. I think it was like two or three, which is good for someone that's spot starting at third base. And he looked confident. He's making these crazy plays, but something happened, you know, over time where he lost his confidence there and he started, you know, missing routine plays. So hopefully he gets some of that confidence back. Cause if he could play the third base, like the crazy flying squirrel, like he was, you know, his first <laughs> year, uh, that defense in the infield is going to be ridiculous. Pete is already playing awesome first base. Oh, his defense has improved so much this year. He's so confident there. Like, you, you know, a ball's in the dirt. I, I have no fear, you know, that it's going to go past him. He's stopping everything. Uh, and then I'm so curious to see long-term how this works out with Lindor and Javi. I want to see that camaraderie. I want to see those double plays turned. I want to, you know. Yeah. But that, if Javi comes back, we're set in the infield. Now, you know, you have to focus. Catcher McCann has been a, a good catcher, good defensive catcher. He's throwing guys out. He's doing his job. Offense could be, you know, better, obviously. But uh, Mazika is someone to watch, man. It, today was special. Yeah. No, he was. He 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 calls a terrific game. He was hitting the AAA before he came up. I mean, making the adjustment from the minors to the majors, of course, is going to take a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I like. I mean, he's an older prospect. He's not like a catcher of the future, but. Uh, you know, while Nito is down, he certainly serves the purpose. And, you know, Chan Cisco, of course, he's just kind of filling the, the gaps right now. But, yeah, I mean, it, McCann is here basically until Alvarez is ready, which right. he's he's looking like an absolute stud. But They're um, probably going to overlap for a year. Oh, I would think so. I think McCann will be the perfect guy to kind of ease him into the major leagues. I, I, I mean, if you're thinking long, like big picture long term, 
that's probably why they brought him in for four years. And I still think that giving him 10.2 or whatever he's getting per year for four years, that's not a, you know, for the production, it's, it's not terrible, but for, I guess for the leadership too, that's probably what they're paying for. Look, but, we had, we had Wilson Ramos for the last couple of years. I think, uh, McKay, hey, everybody forgets he had like a 30 game hitting streak that one year. It, it, I swear it fell by the wayside. Everybody forgot about it. But no, oh, no, Wilson Ramos had his deficiencies. He wasn't a defensive catcher. And that's what a pitcher, a team with a pitching staff like the Mets needs that. Exactly. We all remember those. We remember the, uh, Wilson Ramos with those opposite field <laughs> singles every, you know. Uh, oh, little, little C&I ground balls. He made that streak last. He really did. Oh, yeah. But uh, the defense, it just, it looked lazy at times. Like, it was so frustrating. And you know the Mets fans yeah. were eating that up, you know. And, but McCann looks like he's 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 hungry out there every day. He's throwing guys out. It's oh, it's great. Exciting. Oh, it's excellent. And, you know, I think now that with, with Baez back and with Lindor coming back, hopefully Tuesday, um, you know, you'll have those two up the middle, which should be really fun to watch. Uh, Rojas said that he's going to move, I guess, have J.D. at third a lot. Uh, McNeil will be seeing time in left field at third base. Of course, that probably puts a little, I guess, a little crank in what Dom's doing. But, um, you know, if, if you have too many players to fit on the field, that's usually a good problem. Maybe some of these guys reverting back into bench roles could be a good thing. Um, you know, Dom Flourish as a bench player carried it over into 2020, of course. But in 2019, he was a bench player and he absolutely flourished as it. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I think it could work. Um Bringing the DH back next year, I think it's going to be huge. Or, yeah, hopefully if it, if it comes to fruition. But Don't that really <laughs> lengthens, the, it lengthens the roster even more. And, you know, the Mets are going to have to talk about, uh, uh, you know, a lot. Where, where are you going to fill holes this offseason? But we're going to have plenty more podcast episodes to, uh, to discuss all that. We are going to take a very quick break, hear from our, uh, our terrific sponsors, and come back and talk to uh, Parlay J about what, uh, what he does best. Hang tight. And welcome back. So as we were talking about, the Mets are uh, have an uphill battle ahead of them. So we're going to go ahead and shift gears from that into uh, our friend Paul AJ's specialty, which is, uh, of course, <laughs> putting together prop bets and bringing home a bunch of money on a small risk. My friend, I've been following, I've been following along, I should say, pretty much all baseball season. And, uh, you know, keeping my little tracks at home because I'm, I'm not a gambler and uh, especially on, on the baseball side of things trying to you know I guess I got a little knack for finding stats and going and checking matchups and stuff like that but even with that little bit of knowledge bro I'm still barely 50-50 just keeping track at home um, is there a trick to this is there just is it the luck of the draw like do you find inroads to sh- safer bets as you, you go through this so it's uh, baseball's been uh, tough sledding. Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, I, I like to bet on, you know, things that are fun, like home run props. I parlay them, you know, I, I've been chasing a big home run parlay hit all season. It hasn't come yet. And, but I don't, I don't bet heavy, especially baseball because uh, it's not my favorite sports to bet because, you know, you have football and basketball where the guys are constantly on the field or on the court and, and yeah. you're just rooting for their stats to just go up and up and up. And baseball is like, all right, let me bet on this guy to get two hits. All right, but he's 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 batting, you know, every three innings. You know, it's like, uh, you, you got to wait a while. It's it's a little tough, 
you know, I like, I prefer to bet on the Mets because I'm watching them. But uh, <laughs> the, a lot of the tricks. So like today I took uh, uh, Rosario for two hits. He first at bat, he had a home run. And I was like, oh, I should have, I should have took the home run. But you know, it's uh, I look at, you look at his numbers. Rosario's uh, killing lefties this year. Mm-hmm. He's batting 330 or something like that against left-handed pitching. He's, he's on a tear. He's on a tear right now. So I took him for two hits at plus money, plus 150, I think it was. I didn't see if he got that second hit, but I know the first at bat he hit, he hit a bomb. <laughs> it's like stuff like that you got to look at. You got to look at um, because sometimes the odds don't catch up to it. These, these odds makers, are, they have so many players to put these odds out for. It's, it's hard to keep up. And you get some broken lines sometimes. Uh, you know, you'll have a guy that's hitting – six for 12 against the starting pitcher with two home runs. And he has decent odds to hit a home run or to get two hits. And those are the lines people look for and they try to parlay. And a lot of times it pays off. They usually keep going on these tears against these pitchers. They, you know, they own them. Like we've seen a lot of players own Mets pitching in in the past. And and you almost think they're going to get a hit every at bat Uh, stuff like that. That's, that's a good one. The strikeout parlays are pretty good. The people are doing, they'll look at a guy's uh, track record, uh, this guy has went last six of eight games, gone over six strikeouts, and that's his line for the for the night. People will take that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of one. So there was actually, it's funny. There was a, a Fanduel had a glitch. Uh, I can't remember which pitcher it was. It was about two three weeks ago. Yeah, they had a they they had both starting pitchers. Their odds were broken on broken on the app for like five minutes the most, <laughs> and it, it was like plus twelve hundred for one guy to get five strikeouts and plus a thousand for the other guy to get four strikeouts, something like that. Some kid parlayed both of them. And you think he put like $50 or something, something ridiculous, a hundred dollars. And he flipped that into like over a hundred grand and they paid it out. Yeah. Cause that's there. Once it's locked in, it's locked in. Right. Yeah. But their, wow. new, their new terms of service, they can void that. And th- th- they've been voiding uh, a lot of uh, mistakes and errors, but right now FanDuel has a big battle with DraftKings sure. and uh, th- with DraftKings now has same game parlays, which is new. And it's huge because we've been waiting for another big, big company like DraftKings, which is their competition to add these same game parlays because FanDuel kind of owned the market. So they, it was it was basically like, all right, if you're going to leave us, we don't care. You're, you're going to come back. We, we're, we're the big guy in town. You have like BetMGM who has one game parlays, but they're not very good. PointsBet has them too, but it's it's not the same. It, it doesn't have uh, the same odds. Now DraftKings is out here putting better odds for a lot of these plays. And now so they must have not had a lot of people on this broken odds because <laughs> they pay, I, I couldn't believe it. Like when the kid was messaging me and I'm like, just – you know, be calm, but like, don't <laughs> expect it. If it happens, good. Sure enough, they paid him a hundred thousand dollars, and it was a great story because this kid, this guy, lost his. He's a he's a father, and he lost his business during COVID. Oh, so and yeah, that's like a godsend. This, I, I told him, I said, this couldn't have happened to a better person. You know, a father, a guy who's uh, stay at home dad right now, lost his business, and he gets a hundred thousand dollar gift. <laughs> wow. Good for him. You got to pay taxes at the end of the year, but oh well. Who cares? Yeah, well, they still... take, they, the good thing about FanDuel is they take it right off the top, so you don't got to worry about really? it. Really? You, yeah. So you don't, you don't, so come tax time, you don't got to put it on your tax form or anything. It's all you actually it's get money. I, I got money back. So if hey, you know, that's a bonus. All right. Yeah, you, you actually, um, so they automatically take it only for uh, plus 30,000 odds. So it's okay. like, 
300 to one, if it, if that, then they automatically take it out. Anything under that. So if you're winning a lot of uh, lower parlays, uh, you know, and you're up 20,000 on a year or something ridiculous and you don't have to pay no taxes, then you got to be worried, you know, you know, the IRS coming after you, but sure. If you, if you hit a couple big, big parlays, that tax is, is, is gone. It's out of your mind. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, that's cool. Cause I remember, you know, I, I hit a couple of big, you know, what this is like the extent of my gambling for the big horse races. I'll go to the OTB and I'll, I'll put like, <laughs> you know, exact is down just on names. A, a couple of times I've actually hit Then you got to claim them at the end of the year. And it's just such a, a hassle, by the way, I'm at Rosario in three for four today. Congratulations. Hey, there you go. I should have took him for three hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was so, plus 150. It's just, that's things like that. Uh, it's just, you, you find those lines. He's on, he's on a tear, by the way, whenever, whenever there's a lefty going against them, just, just take it for two hits. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good call. You guys got the, uh, you guys got the inside source here. <laughs> so, and that's pretty much was my point that like, you could check all the stats, but the, at the end of the day, it's still baseball and you never know what's going to happen. And it's a game of failure. And you really have to kind of find those specialty, not specialty, but ironclad, leads and that sounds like an ironclad lead in rosie's case he's having a really nice season oh yeah i'm so happy for him man he's such a good dude yeah oh terrific and you know the mets brought him up young and he struggled and there was always going to be growing pains and trying to do that in new york's not easy and uh yeah moving on to cleveland was i think just what he needed boy if he could i said it on twitter on sunday morning if he could raise that walk percentage up to like 10 percent, get his obp to like 350 that's a that's a solid solid player. He's never going to hit for a lot of power, but boy, he's going to send him to gaps. And when he does connect, he does have a little bit of pop. But uh, yeah, I, I like Rosie. I, th- I hope Jimenez does well out there too. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's had a rough year. I haven't seen, I haven't heard much about him. Is, is he bounced back at all? Uh, he went to AAA and he raked in AAA. And I believe when the when Cleveland traded Cesar Hernandez to the White Sox. They recalled him. I don't know if he's getting a whole bunch of time right now. I know I've, I've seen him in the lineup. Oh, he, he's, he's he went batting, one for three today. He, yeah, he's been batting like seventh or eighth in the lineup. So, you know. Yeah, he's ninth. He's ninth today. But he was hitting in AAA. Yeah, he was down there pretty much the whole year. And um, he, he was raking. I think he's still going to be a player. I think he showed that during his time with the Mets. But, um, you know, it, with, with football coming up, you must be pretty pumped for uh, – for your, I, this is my show. I could tell we don't have to stick to baseball. <laughs> we could, uh, you must be pretty bumped for, for the new, uh, I guess the new opportunities coming out there. I guess college football starts next weekend and the NFL is September 9th. Yeah. So the NFL is my bread and butter. That's where uh, <laughs> I made a lot of money last year on the NFL. And uh, it's just, it's, it's exhausting, but it's worth it. Like right, right now I'm pretty much on like an off season with betting. Because I, I exhaust myself during football season. I watch a lot of film. I, uh, I'm up late. I don't sleep much. Even basketball season really kicked my ass because of these West Coast games, uh, it, you're up till 1 in the morning, and then I wake up at 4.30 for work. And it's – baseball, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not staying up late. I'm just kind of like getting my rest in because, uh, you know, once football comes around, I'm going to be up late watching film. Uh, I like to recap. Like I, I have uh, the NFL game pass and after the games are over, they let you go into the games and watch the coaches film. You can do different mm-hmm. camera angles. You can really, you know, break down your own film. See, Oh yeah. Give me all game. 11, bro. Give me all 11 all Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I read a lot too. I like to get into these, uh, these beat writers minds and like some of them are, 
really some of them are ridiculous like I, I read some of them i'm like why how did he get that conclusion from that but then you find some gold out there you know you find some good guys that are uh they know what they're talking about about their team but it's it yeah. really is exhausting but it's i i find it the easiest to bet on to really find where the value is uh what the tendencies are the quarterback what does he like to do does he like to rely on a slot receiver is there uh, their tackle is going to be out they're going to be uh passing a little quicker. They're going to go to the slot receiver more tight ends are going to be more, uh, you know, frequent in those kind of schemes. Uh, you just really got to dig deep and try to get into the coach's mind. It's they're playing chess against each other. So you got to kind of like play chess with them. Mm-hmm. What is this guy going to try to do to counter this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's fun to really try to dig into a football coach's mind to see what they're going to draw up. And uh, like, and it's, it's possible. You see, you see Tony Romo, you know, doing it, Every time, you know, every play, it's almost like he knows what's coming. That's what you, the goal is to do is like know what's coming. Uh, and it's, it's very, very doable. I find it the, the most predictable of the sports. That's awesome. That's, I mean, did, did you play football growing up? No, I was baseball my whole life. <laughs> baseball your whole life. Baseball See, I was watching, basketball. I was watching a little bit of the Giants today and I'm trying to tell my kid, I'm like, look. I'm like, look over him. I'm like, he's gonna pull over, but it's gonna be a fake, and he's gonna go behind the other tackle. And she's like, "Come on, I don't, I don't care." <laughs> like, ah, so okay. I think me and Parlay J, we're gonna get into the film room this year. It's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, I'm down. <laughs> hey man, where can everybody find you on social media so they can get along with these picks? So my Twitter is at paranormal underscore base, and that's about it. I'm pretty much all on Twitter. <laughs> Are you doing, um, you still doing the streaming? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to have actually a Thursday night pregame show that I'm going to be like doing a live stream of where I'm going to be uh, interacting with people, uh, answering questions, or uh, I'm going to have a guest on every week. And it's going to be really big. Uh, you know, I work with uh, uh, Dimers, Dimers.com. Yeah. And that's, uh, they're, they're really putting, you know, put me in a good spot to uh, succeed and get, a, you know, a bigger spotlight. And I'm, we're going to be traveling, too. We plan on going to Chicago at some point. I don't know if it's going to be week two or week three. Uh, but we got some big things planned, meetups, hangouts. It's going to be real cool. Excellent, man. I can't wait to, uh, to, to, to I guess, follow along. It should be fun. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Jerry, I can, again, thank you so much for, for coming by, talking. I hope we could do it again. We'll do it again during football season because we're going to have to fill our time throughout the offseason. So. That's it, we- Tim. I'm always down, brother. All right, man. Guys, thank you again. We'll be back on Friday with a new episode. Hopefully some some Metsy's wins to discuss, and maybe some new life breathed into this team, but we shall see. Until then, let's fucking go Mets. Peace. Yeah!